Today on Living in the Word with Dr. Gary Yates. This is a part of the Bible that is difficult for us today. We understand the Torah was foundational to Israel, to uh, the Old Covenant, and to Israel's life with God. But the Mosaic Covenant is perhaps the part of the Bible that for Christians, uh, the one that we find the hardest to understand. I'm Gary Yates, pastor of Living Word Baptist Church in Forest, Virginia. We're continuing our study in the biblical covenants, and we have come to our part in the study uh, where we are looking at the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, often when we read the Bible or we have our devotions um, in the morning or things like that, we often come to the Bible looking for a verse or a passage for the day that will give us some hope, comfort, encouragement, or challenge. Uh, I think a better way uh, to read the Bible, a more effective and fruitful way, is to immerse ourselves in the larger story of the Bible. And the biblical covenants are important because they are foundational to God's work in salvation history. And as we read that story, uh, we realize that we are a part of it and we understand our place in that. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about that in his book, Life Together, and he says this, we become a part of what once took place for our salvation. Forgetting and losing ourselves, we too pass through the Red Sea, through the desert, across the Jordan, and into the Promised Land. With Israel, we fall into doubt and unbelief, and through punishment and repentance, experience again God's help and faithfulness. All this is not mere reverie, but holy, godly reality. We are torn out of our own existence and set down in the midst of the holy history of God on earth. There, God dealt with us, and there he still, deal, still deals with us, our needs and our sins in judgment and in grace. It is not that God is the spectator and sharer of our present life, howsoever important that is, but rather that we are the reverent listeners and participants in God's action in the sacred story, the history of the Christ on earth. And only insofar as we are there is God with us today also." Uh, the biblical covenants are important because we become and we are a part uh, of God's story of salvation. We are spending uh, a few studies looking at the Mosaic Covenant because this, um, this is a part of the Bible that is difficult for us today. We understand the Torah was foundational to Israel, to uh, the Old Covenant, and to Israel's life with God. But the Mosaic Covenant is perhaps the part of the Bible that for Christians, uh, the one that we find the hardest to understand how it is relevant and applicable to us. So in our devotional readings, we, we don't always find ourselves turning to the law. The law was for Israel, and we are the church. The law was for the old covenant. We are living in the new covenant. The law is Old Testament. So how is that relevant for us now that we have the New Testament? Is it still part of our uh, Christian life and experience to, to read and study this? How do we balance what Jesus says when he speaks of the eternal validity of the law in Matthew 5, not one part of the law will pass away as long as heaven and earth exist, with Paul's statements in Romans and Galatians that we are no longer under the law. Part of our struggle with the Mosaic Covenant is covenantal. How do we relate to the, to the, to the law now that we are in a different covenant? But the more practical problem is that we often face these strange laws that are found in the law, and um, how, how do these apply and relate to us? Why does God care about mildew in people's houses? 
Why are the, uh, the food laws prohibiting pork, bacon, pulled, uh, pulled pork barbecue, meat with blood in it, and shellfish? Why are they there? Why would God care if his people wore clothing that were made out of two different kinds of fabric? And uh, there are all kinds of questions about uh, the taboo about tattoos in Leviticus 19.28. It gets a lot more attention today than it did 25 years ago. Are Christians expected to keep these laws? And if not, uh, then what purpose does the law have for us today? And I think the starting point for uh, you know, trying to answer these questions is to begin with the purpose of the Mosaic Law within the Mosaic Covenant in its original context for the people of Israel and how the Mosaic Covenant and Mosaic Law are related to each other. Reading the laws in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy help us to see that the Mosaic Law was a, a, a part of God's specific and special covenant with the people of Israel, a specific group of people from a specific time, specific place, and a specific purpose in the working out of God's plan of salvation. Understanding the Mosaic Covenant between God and Israel, how it worked and operated, then helps us to see the purpose of the law for them, and then how the law applies and has benefit for us today. So I think a good place to start with all of this, and uh, the purpose and place of the Mosaic Covenant is to look at what God says to Israel in Exodus 19, verses 4 and 5, about the role that they would have as they lived out and kept the law. And the Lord says this to the people, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession." Uh, a word that is used to talk about the riches of uh, Solomon and other places. That's how much God cares about his people. Uh, you will be my treasured possessions among all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Earlier in the story, the Abrahamic covenant had established Israel as God's chosen people. God had promised to make them a great nation, to give them a land, and to make them a blessing to all peoples. The book of Exodus moves the, for, the story forward by showing us how God formed Israel into his holy nation. He rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He gave them um, uh, a law, and then he provided a sanctuary in the tabernacle so that he could live and dwell among them. The Mosaic Covenant is what we call a suzerain-vassal covenant. Suzerain king, vassal people. This is a covenant between a king and his people. Covenants in the Bible have promises and obligations, and the conditional side of the Mosaic Covenant is what, you know, is what especially stands out and is prominent in the Mosaic Covenant that God made with his people at Mount Sinai. Uh, the condition is that if they kept the covenant, they would, uh, they would be blessed. If they did not keep the covenant, they would be punished. If they kept the covenant, they would also fulfill their mission as God's people and nation. They would become a kingdom of priests who would mediate God's blessing, God's presence to the other, nation, to the other nations. They, they would lead the other nations to God and bring their blessing uh, upon these people. They would be a blessed people if they obeyed the Lord and they would extend that blessing outward to the nations. There's one important common misunderstanding about the law that we have to clear up. The purpose of the Mosaic law was never to create a performance or works-based way of salvation. 
Israelites under the Old Covenant were not saved by keeping the law or obeying the commandments. Salvation for all peoples at all times has always been by God's grace through faith. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. That principle was established even before the law was given. We can even see that in the giving of the Mosaic Covenant itself. Exodus 19.4, the Lord says, I carried you on eagle's wings. I saved you. I delivered you. And I have brought you to myself. They already had a relationship with God. Keeping the law was not how Israel entered into a relationship with God. That was already there. Instead, keeping the commandments was how Israel would live out their relationship with God and and how they would live as the people of the Lord. The Lord had already saved them and redeemed them out of slavery in Egypt to be his people. This is how they were supposed to live to fulfill that mission. The prologue to the Ten Commandments, uh, a chapter later in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, says the same thing. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. They already are the people of God. They have that relationship. They have entered into that relationship by grace, and now they are to live out the law because they are God's people. In light of that, I want us to see two major purposes of the law in this segment. The first major purpose of the law was to lay out for Israel the details of how they were to live their mission as God's people. Israel never really had to question, what does God want from us? What's the Lord expecting from us? Because God gave them 10 words to live by and then 613 direct and specific commandments that taught them uh, in a a very clear way how they were supposed to live. The Mosaic Covenant does not replace the Abrahamic Covenant. It complements it. The Abrahamic Covenant established Israel as God's chosen people. The Mosaic Covenant showed them how to live that out. To enjoy the blessings of the Abrahamic Covenant that God had promised and guaranteed, each generation would have to live by the commandments given in the Law of Moses. Covenants involve promises and responsibility. In the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments taught them how to live in a way that showed their love for God, how to love God, how to honor Him. And the next six commandments showed them how to love their neighbor. And those two concerns were the driving force for the entire law. The Lord is saying, here's how to love me, here's how to love the Lord with all of your heart, and here's how to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the first purpose of the law. The second major purpose of the law was to enable Israel, as they lived among other peoples, to have a missionary presence among the nations. That's what Exodus 19 is emphasizing when it says that Israel would be a kingdom of priests. By keeping the law, they would reflect the character of God. Uh, They would would show the holiness of God, the, the goodness of God to the nations, And then when God blessed them for their faithfulness in keeping the law, the nations would want to know God and get in on those. They they would want to get in on the blessings as well and be a part of that. And that's what we read over in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. So let me read that passage. Uh, The law would draw the nations to God as they saw the ways that God would bless Israel. So Deuteronomy 4, uh, verse 6 to 8. The Lord says, keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all of these statues will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our our God is to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation 
is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today. The law was not a burden to Israel. The law was a blessing. And through the law, the nations would see the greatness of God and they would desire to have a relationship with God so that they could be blessed in the same way that Israel was. Now, God's design was for Israel to lead the nations to worship the one true God. The problem is that um, Israel's disobedience to the law was often a foil to that plan. Instead of leading the nations to God, uh, often uh, they would end up wanting to worship the, 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 the gods of the nations around them. And so the problem was that Israel, like all sinful humans, had a problem with obeying the commandments. They were drawn more to the gods of the nations rather than their responsibility to lead these nations to worship God. There's a negative reflection on Israel's missionary presence because of their failure to keep the law in a passage we see in Isaiah chapter 42, verses 18 to 22. Isaiah 42, 18 to 22. The Lord says, I made the law great and glorious. And he made it that way so that Israel and then the nations would see the greatness of God himself and his character. But the problem was that Israel had become a blind and a deaf servant. They were unable to lead the nations to the Lord because they were blind. It was the blind leading the blind, and they were deaf and refused to listen and hear God's word and, and to obey his commandments. So that's, that's the foil to God's plan. But ultimately, the purpose of the law was to enable Israel to have a missionary presence so that all nations would come uh, under the blessings that God had for his people. Now, if we go back to the story in the book of Exodus, we have the formal establishment of the Mosaic Covenant in a ceremony that's found in Exodus 24. Um, in, in the passage as a whole, going from Exodus 19 to 24, the people have seen the greatness of the Lord at Mount Sinai, the smoke, the fire, the thunder, the earthquake. It has impressed upon them the greatness of the Lord and the seriousness of keeping his word and obeying the commandments. Moses has received uh, the initial commandments, including the 10 words that are in Exodus chapter 20. And, and as we come to the covenant ceremony, the people solemnly promise in chapter 24, we will do everything that the Lord has said to us. And so that leads to the formal confirmation and affirmation of the covenant. Just like with Abraham, the covenant, the covenant is established and affirmed through sacrifice. This is a, a solemn and a serious moment. When Moses offers the sacrifices, he takes half of the blood from those sacrifices and pours it on the altar. And uh, that blood on the altar seals the commitment between God and Israel and joins Israel to the Lord in this covenant relationship. But then the interesting thing is that Moses takes uh, the other half of the blood in a bowl and pours it on the people and pours it out on them. So the, the blood on the people cleanses them and consecrates them to serve as God's people. They were a kingdom of priests. And when uh, Aaron is consecrated for priestly service by Moses, uh, blood is put on his earlobe, his thumb, and his big toe. What he hears, what he does, where he goes, and how he lives his life, in every way, from top to bottom, he belongs to God. The people of Israel are also a kingdom of priests. And from this point forward, they would be blessed if they obey, cursed if they disobey, and it doesn't take them very long to break the covenant. They break the covenant worshiping the golden calf on Mount Sinai while Moses is still up on the mountain receiving the commandments. 
But even then, God graciously forgives and restores because of this covenant relationship that exists. Now, when we move forward to the book of Deuteronomy, the covenant is reaffirmed with the new generation that is preparing to enter the promised land. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses gives a second giving of the law that reminds the people of the terms of the covenant. Again, the conditional nature of the covenant is there. They will be blessed in the land with long life, large families, abundant harvest, and great prosperity if they obey the Lord. They will be cursed with curses in nature, drought, famine, crop failure, disease, and curses in battle, uh, invasion, siege, defeat, destruction, and exile if they disobey. Those two choices are laid out in front of them. Deuteronomy 30, choose life or choose death, but you will be blessed if you obey. Uh, those blessings and curses are specifically laid out for the people in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. Now, as you read those passages, remember, these are specifically part of God's covenant with Israel and Israel alone, a distinctive people under the old covenant. These curses do not apply to America today. Uh, we are not the new Israel. Wildfires in California and drought in Texas are not covenant curses. You know, and as the church, we cannot claim the promises of physical prosperity in the land that God promised Israel. This is part of a specific special covenant that God has with one group of people. Now, as we read the rest of the Old Testament, the rest of the Old Testament would tell the story of Israel through the grid and the lens of the Mosaic Covenant and would demonstrate how the people and leaders of Israel over and over again failed to keep the law until they eventually lost the land and were sent away into exile. The curses of the covenant uh, that Moses had, had, had laid out at the very beginning told the story of what would happen to Israel before it ever actually took place. But in the working out of salvation history, that story of failure ends with hope as the people return to the land at the end of the Old Testament, and that hope anticipates the even greater restoration with the coming of Jesus as the one who would reverse the failures of the past and bring blessing in the place of cursing. Jesus would become the faithful Son of God who would keep the law in every way. He would take upon himself, Galatians chapter 3, the curse of the law for the people so that they could be forgiven of their sins and made right with God. And he would institute the new covenant that would finally give the people the spiritual resources and ability that they needed to keep God's commandments so that they would be blessed forever. The failures under the Mosaic Covenant would show Israel their need for a Savior and prepare the way for the coming Messiah. 